In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound uh, reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. With the permission of the Lord here, we begin our prayer as uh, we are preparing for the Feast of Christmas. We are in the immediate days preceding Christmas, and uh, the Church has long accelerated that preparation by reserving a few days, seven days, or six days in preparation for the eve of Christmas from December 17th to December 23rd. And uh, this is the time in which uh, in, the, in the Antiphon to the Magnificat, in the Liturgy of the Hours, the Church uh, recites the, what is called the O Antiphons, these Antiphons from Scripture that precede the Magnificat, all begin with O, O, O wisdom of our God most high, O leader of the house uh, of Israel, O root of Jesse's stem, and today, O key of David, O clavis David, O clavis David, O key of David. And it ends with, O Emmanuel, Rex et Legifer Noster, O King, O Emmanuel, our King and Giver of uh, the Law. And since the 8th century, the monks who put these antiphons together realized that there was a way of memorizing them all. And when they took the first letter of each one of these uh, antiphons, read them backwards, they saw that it, they put all those first letters together and it came up with Ero Cras. Erocras, which is Latin, of course, which means, I will come. I will come tomorrow. Ero, I will come, or I will be. Cras is tomorrow. Like when we say procrastination, procrastination, cras means tomorrow. I will do this tomorrow. So in a certain way, the Lord is kind of procrastinating, you know, when, you, uh, when you're packing your bags for a trip and you're looking forward to where you're going to go, you look at the boarding pass and you say, um, tomorrow I'm going to be there on that beach. You know? And that's what the Lord is doing. He's going tomorrow. Well, not quite tomorrow, but a few more days. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be down on the earth. I'm going to be with my sons and daughters. I'm going to be there with them. I'm going to make my presence felt. And uh, that's the point of view that we want to feel, not just how we are anticipating the nativity of the Lord, but how He is anticipating. Ego, ero, gras, I will be there tomorrow, or 
tomorrow. I will be there in a few days. It's like he's zealous and uh, you know, filled with hope of entering our soul again, filling us with deeper intimacy of his presence. And that's why in these days we have the account of Zechariah, the priest, the husband of Elizabeth. He was a priest there, living in Jerusalem, serving in the temple. And he gets that appearance of, uh, of that angel, Gabriel, who tells, us, tells him that his son will be the one who will prepare the way for the Messiah. And uh, Zechariah is startled by this appearance of the angel. And when he hears about this, he says, well, how will I know? How can I have proof that this is going to actually happen? Because he was old, his wife was old. How will I know? As you know, the, the angel said, well, I am Gabriel. Guy, I am Gabriel. I mean, isn't this proof enough? You know? I'm standing here in the presence of God. I mean, dude, I mean... He says, well, because you doubted, you'll be mute. You won't be able to speak until... Well, it doesn't even tell him until when, but you'll just be able, won't be able to speak. Because he doubted whether this was going to happen. But Mary, too, asked a question. But it was not a question of if this would happen. But how? Because in some way, she didn't quite understand how could it be that she would be the mother of the Messiah, that she would give birth. Because that seemed to go against what she had already promised God. Somehow, we don't know exactly how, but somehow she had promised her, her virginity. She would promised that she would offer her body and not have relations. She would have a husband that would protect her in that context. How can this be since I am virgin? I have had no relations with man. How can this be? And of course we know. The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will descend upon you. The shadow of the Most High will accompany you, will be with you. Okay, now she understands. It's going to be by intervention of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't about if it was about how. And immediately, she, of course, she said, uh, Be it done unto me, according to your word. And then, once the angel heard that, he departed. The angel departed. It's interesting that the gospel even says, The angel departed. Like He said, Okay, it's all done. I'm out. It's like a, an act of confidence in Our Lady's recognition of the plan of God. You take care of it. I know you can do it. And that leads us to the, the third part, which is that immediately after she recognizes her vocation, her purpose, her call, that she would be the mother of the Messiah, as soon as she understands this, after having asked a question, we are told, Mary set out and went as quickly as she could to a town in the hill country of Judah. She went into Zacharias's house and greeted Elizabeth. Now as soon as Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, 
The child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She gave a loud cry and said, Of all women, you are the most blessed, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why should I be honored with the visit from the mother of my Lord? For the moment your greeting reached my ears, the child in my womb leapt for joy. Yes, blessed is she who believed that the promise made her by the Lord would be fulfilled. She believed. She believed. She had faith in God's promise. And as soon as she understood her purpose, her, her vocation, she went, we are told, as quickly as she could. She went with haste. In Latin, cum festinatione. Cum festinatione. She did not procrastinate. She didn't leave this for tomorrow. She knows and understands her mission, her purpose. And in our prayer now, we can ask God to help us understand what this haste was. She went with haste. We can picture her now. Going with haste was not a kind of anxious haste. It wasn't a sort of activism about the many things to do like when you have to do a bunch of stuff before supper she wasn't stressed she wasn't in a state of dispersed multitasking it's not about stress that we sometimes experienced experience when we're overwhelmed with responsibilities instead her going with haste Cum festinatione is the antithesis of this dispersion, this anxiety, this activism, because she goes with absolute focus on her purpose. And it's very important that we ask Jesus now during this preparation for Christmas, we ask him, Lord Jesus, help me to understand today, today, right now, what this haste is about. And if there is indeed haste, that is, you could say haste, haste, purpose, understanding, in my own daily life, it seems a kind of a urgency that does not come from my own worries, my own concerns, my own anxieties. That haste that we see in Mary comes from a sense of, a, of the divine in us. Certainly, she actually had the divine in her, but that divine was also present in her sense of calm urgency about facing down her purpose, that is, her vocation. You know, everything changes in our life when we understand our purpose, when we understand our vocation, when we understand that what has happened to me, even though it might be difficult and hard, I accept it, I embrace it. That's why we say Our Lady wasn't doubtful. Should I go today? Should I go tomorrow? I'm not sure what I should do. I'm not sure what God wants from me. I'm, I'm kind of dawdling or procrastinating. You know, for you and I, when we know what God wants from us, we should do it. We should do it. Does it really give us peace to say, well, you know, I kind of know what God wants from me, but you know, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it this afternoon. I'll do it later. 
does that action uh, give us peace? Even if what we have to do is kind of difficult or unpleasant? Because usually that's what we mean by procrastinating. When we say procrastination, we mean we do not face a difficult task that we don't like. We do not face talking with an unpleasant person. We do not face a material task. We do not do our taxes because they're unpleasant. We do not prepare a certain meeting with somebody. We delay going to confession. We delay a norm of piety. I could feel that the other day, some days ago, I was asked to go hear confessions, and several times people said, Father, it's been many, many, many years since I've, I've come to confession. And you, know, you dig a bit, you get, you say, yeah, it's been a lot of years, you know. That's a lot of years procrastinating. And they don't seem to always know why. And yet as soon as they say that, you can sense just a peace in their voice a peace that they're where they ought to be. You know, the confessional is a dark little box and stuff, but I, I want to be here, Lord. And I wanna be, you, get just, you just like sense that they, that's really where they want to be. And a, a recognition that they should have been here a long time, but God forgives, God, they can start again. You know, to procrastinate is to put off till tomorrow, to defer, to delay, you know, kras means tomorrow. We don't know where this word comes from, kras. Is it Greek? Who knows where it's from, but it's... But tomorrow, that, that deferral is a form of reluctance, right? It's a, we say it's a double uh, kind of deception. You get deceived by the thought of the effort it will take to do that thing that you've perceived to be unpleasant what you face when you're when starting the task. You say, well, it's going to be really unpleasant for me to do that, so therefore I, I, dis- I delay it. But that's a, another deception. You know, on the one hand, the deception that you're embracing is that it's going to be that hard. And the second deception is that, that you buy into the illusion, uh, well, that it will be really hard to do, and the second illusion is that, that you somehow are going to be better off not doing that thing. And we can end up exaggerating the difficulty of that thing. And so you don't go with haste. You don't go with haste. It's delaying a task that you know you should start. And every delaying is harmful for you, for me, for others. But it's beautiful to see how Our Lady puts herself totally at God's disposal. In an instant, with that cum festinazione, with that going with haste. All her personal plans are changed. And uh, we can imagine she would have had many, many plans. Right? You know, we have plans. Uh, we all have an idea what we're going to do. But she discarded them so that she could do everything that God wanted her to do. She made no excuses. She had no reservations in this task. 
And from the very first moment, Jesus was the ideal of her life. And that's why we say that throughout her life she showed limitless uh, generosity. And in the very few episodes that the Gospel refers to her, we always see how she paid attention to others. Like in the marriage of Cana, at the foot of the cross. Uh, and of course, uh, in that moment in which she had been searching for Jesus, whom she had lost with Joseph. They, they lost, they, th they thought he must be with one of the families and they lost him. And so they anxiously searched for him for three days. And then she asked him, my son, we've been looking for you for three days, searching, when they found him in the temple there. Why have you done this to us? See, it's another question of why. Why did this happen? And he said, I had to be about my father's business. And she immediately accepted this. And those are the words that were said at the funeral of uh, Father Fadi, a priest of the work who passed away very suddenly of a heart attack and left us with deep uh, sadness. And... Uh, funeral was in a church in Montreal and it was streamed uh, so that family and others could see it. And uh, Father Antoine, you know, mentioned, you know, we, we asked, you know, why? Why, Lord? Why did you allow this to happen? He was a good priest. He, was, he had a great spirit of service. He was always cheerful. He always did what was asked of him. He was, you know, he had a, a huge uh, skill set. Great capacities. Human spiritual we ask Lord why did you allow a 52 year old young priest to die and like Jesus we can imagine Jesus saying to us he had to be about his father's business he spent so many years you know in serving the church in the work in Opus Dei in the different uh, tasks that he had, the different responsibilities. And now his responsibilities have changed, and he keeps working, but of course from the other side of the threshold. And, you know, so many times that ha these things happen to us, you know, Father Julio was telling me that he had the task with others, two, two others, of vesting Father Fadi when he was dead, he had to vest him with. with he, I asked him, "What did you vest him?" He said, "The works: white shirt with cufflings, cassock, uh, alb, chasuble, and then placed him gently in the casket with a cross in his hands." Imagine having to do that. I said, "How did you manage to do that?" He said, "We did it very prayerfully. You couldn't just." just, you know, procrastinate on that. That had to be done. So that he could be about his father's business. And that is what Father Fadi is doing now from heaven. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's consoling to think that we can ask for his intercession so that we too can be about our father's business.
I mean, that's what Our Lady was doing when she went with haste. She went about her father's business. In this case, to serve uh, Elizabeth, helping her out. She was really about her father's business. Am I doing that today? Have I been doing these last few days? Maybe writing Christmas cards. Is that? Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's, that sounds like you're doing your father's business. You're cleaning the house, uh, preparing meals, uh, other responsibilities of work. That's what our Blessed Mother was doing. And her haste after that message from the angel was about taking care of her father's business. Would she be going there slowly, sauntering along, delaying the task? You know, that haste was necessary, and it is necessary for us too, that we have this focus, right? This laser focus about what God really wants from me. She had there to go and take care of that cousin of hers. And haste is an attitude that we must see if we have uh, developed it. Not leave it off for the end of the day. You know, look at your plan of life, the time of prayer. I'll do it later. Right now I'm doing something else. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the computer. We could do our prayer now. We could do it well. We could give the Lord good time. Or we could delay. We could do our prayer or our reading at the end of the day and leave the Lord with the dregs at the end of the day when we're half-focused, when we're very tired, and we sort of half-pray. We're exhausted. We're brain-dead. And that's normal to be brain dead at the end of the day. We could we could foresee that. You know. Really, haste is about uh, being centered on the essentials. That's God's will in our daily life. But it wasn't just Our Lady. It was also those shepherds when they heard about the birth of Christ from the angel. Again, from an angel. See how, how an angel can provoke you to haste. The angel appeared to them and told them when they were there in the fields, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Let's go. So they hurried off, they hurried off, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. 
they went with haste. There they found Mary and the babe. In Latin, et venerunt festinantes. Mary cum festinatione. Basically the same idea about haste. Hurrying, coming with haste, going quickly, with speed. It has to do with a deep awareness of what God is asking of them and the fact that God is there. They didn't perfectly understand what this meant. A babe lying in a manger and that haste also involved deep serenity deep joy and when you think about it, now what could those shepherds which, who are not very cultured not very instructed what could they do there that was so important what service could they render that was so uh, important that, that would have necessitated haste what were they going to do? Were they going to bring a hot chocolate? Were they going to bring uh, something important? Just their presence. That's all. That was the support that Mary and Joseph needed. That is, other souls that would be there to adore this child. Kind of like witnesses eh? in in a marriage almost, right? We need somebody else to prove that this really happened. And therefore, the Holy Family would not be adoring the child alone. And that is why we have nativity scenes uh, set up with, you know, these little plaster or wooden figurines. St. Josemaria wanted us to set up these nativity scenes in in our homes, so that on that day or in these next days we could actually do our prayer there in front of the nativity scenes and, and join those shepherds, join the wise men. Especially in our culture today, where this is uh, kind of forgotten. You know, I read that the other day. A, a journalist in the, in the National Post said that he went, uh, he went to a store and said, if, do, do you guys sell uh, nativity scenes? Uh, I would like to buy a nativity scene. And the clerk gave him a blank stare and said, a what? what? What is a nativity scene? What are you talking about? He said, uh, you know, Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, ever heard of that? You know, the stable, the baby? Uh, she said, I have no idea. I don't know what you're talking about. And he was uh, flummoxed that, no, that, I mean, just like culturally, at least they should know that. You know? Mm-hmm. <coughs> I much prefer the story of this basketball coach in the U.S. who was an important coach for his team, and, you know, he's ordering them around, go here. And then it turned out on that specific day, uh, the royal family had come. Uh, and honestly, I don't know which members of the royal family, but they came and watched the game. And uh, at the end, uh, there was a press conference and the journalists were, you know, grilling this coach about the dynamics of the team and, uh, and why they placed this player there and so forth. And, uh, and, you know, they were really grilling him, like demanding questions. And at the end, uh, one of the journalists uh, asked him, oh, well, did you know, I mean, did you have a chance also to greet the royal family during that game? And he, now he gave the blank stare and he said, the royal family, you mean Mary, Jesus, and Joseph? Uh, that's the only royal family that I acknowledge. You know. 
Like he had no idea that the royal family was there. No? But the royal family, the true royal family of the king, eh? those he does acknowledge. Hmm? Let's go with haste, what that means. You know, Pope Benedict in a homily mentioned those shepherds. He describes them as a small community which made haste to adore the child Jesus, a tiny community which represents the church and all people of goodwill. Today, too, those who await him, who seek him in their lives, encounter the God who out of love became our brother. All those who turn their hearts to him, who yearn to see his face and to contribute to the coming of his kingdom. How many Christians today, he said, make haste where the things of God are concerned? Surely if anything merits haste, so the evangelist is discreetly telling us, then it is the things of God. That's what merits haste. And what we ask our Blessed Mother, right, that she teach us this haste in our plan of life, this haste in our family, in the way we deal with others, like that we'd be excited with them. Mary will help us not to procrastinate in our plan of life. She will help us not to procrastinate in those truly important events during this time of Christmas and help us to focus there like those shepherds on the nativity scene and we'll see them whether they're made of wood or plaster or plastic nevertheless they've been placed there with love with affection and a good amount of haste that tells us right now they are the important ones as we conjure up the image of the holy family adoring the child and we too like reframing the important things in our life so that we truly do them with haste. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.